0: Good morning. When I was preparing my sermon last week, uh, one of the things that I did is I was looking and reading several chapters in Acts because I wanted to better understand the context of kind of how Paul uh, how his rep- relationship started with, uh, with, the, with the Thessalonians. Um, and Acts describes Paul's three, uh, uh, describes three of his missionary journeys, um, starting in Acts 13 and continue, continuing on through Acts 21. So we, and we find his interactions and how he was preaching to various uh, cities and groups of people Uh, and making disciples throughout the world. And uh, one of the things that I noticed and that was interesting to me was that whenever Paul went to a new city, he would always look for where where the Jewish people gathered. And usually that was a synagogue or a place of worship. And also one of the things that kind of surprised me is that whenever he preached... Um, there was also um, Gentiles there and Gentiles responding to that message. Um, and so it was interesting to me how, who these Gentiles were and how they came to be uh, around the Jews and near the Jews. So that's one of the things I kind of looked at and want to discuss a little bit today. Have any of you ever heard of a term called the Jewish diaspora? No? Yes? Yes. So... Um, It's kind of like how they were spread through the world. And what happened in 722 B.C., um, you know what happened? The Assyrian Empire came in and attacked the northern kingdom and took them into captivity. And they dispersed those people. uh, Those Jews were dispersed throughout the Assyrian uh, Empire or kingdom. But what happened with them is they actually lost their identity. They, did not, they weren't able to maintain their identity as Jews. Um, but what happened in 586 BC, I guess about 150, 140, 50 years later, the Babylonian Empire was the dominant world power. And they conquered Judah, which was the southern kingdom. You remember that the, the, after the, their first three kings of Saul, David, and Solomon, Israel was split into a northern kingdom where there was 10 tribes, the southern kingdom where there was Judah, the other two tribes, and Assyria conquered the northern kingdom in 722 and took them away and they lost their identity. But in 586 BC, the Babylonians took over and they conquered Judah, the southern kingdom, and they took many of those Jews into captivity in Babylon. Uh, but the thing that they, they allowed the Jews to have to establish their own communities in captivity. So they were able to maintain their identity as Jews. Um, And then over the course of time, you had other rulers and conquerors, the Persians, the Greeks, the Medes were in there, I think, with the Persians and Romans, and the Jewish people were kind of dispersed throughout the countries of the world. Um, And that's kind of this diaspora of how the Jews were spread throughout the known world. Um, now, since the temple was in Jerusalem, they, they could not practice temple worship. So what they did is they developed synagogues. And at these synagogues, the Jews would come together for prayers and to hear the scriptures read and explained. And um, I read that, that a synagogue couldn't form unless there was at least 10 Jewish men uh, in that community. So whenever the Jews, just about wherever the Jews went, they would set up these synagogues so they could continue to practice their faith and to worship God. So whenever the Apostle Paul, wherever he traveled to preach uh, about Jesus, he would always begin by going to the synagogues. And the leaders of those synagogues would would always seem to welcome them and invite uh, him and whoever was with them to Uh, to speak. And again, there was always Gentiles present to hear the message, which I really think is interesting. Um, And remember last week I said that in in 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 9, it says that the Gentiles turned from idols to worship the true God, but some of the Gentiles had already begun worshiping the true God. And Um, that was apparently because they learned about God from the Jews that had come into their communities and set up these uh, synagogues. And again, why, but why, why were the Jews dispersed throughout uh, all these countries? And it really was because they failed to live up to the, the call that God had placed on their lives. They were supposed to be faithful to God and to serve him and obey him. But what they ended up doing is, one of the problems that they had is they had some pretty bad kings and priests as their leaders. And those kings would oftentimes be idol worshipers, even Solomon, the third king of Israel, um, the wisest man that ever lived. He ended up worshiping idols. And subsequent after him, the divided kingdom took place, and they had many terrible leaders who led them astray and really let the people down. Um, and the people rebelled against God. They also worship idols. And eventually, God allowed Israel to be conquered and destroyed and taken into captivity. And, but I wanna read, if you look at, in Deuteronomy chapter 26, it describes what God's, what he really wanted for them, what, what his desire was for these people. And this is around 1440 or sometime in there before uh, BCE, before the Common Era, in the time of Moses. This is what the Lord said, Deuteronomy 26, 18 through 20. The Lord has declared, the Lord has today declared you to be his people, a treasured possession as he promised you that, you that you should keep all his commandments and that he will set you high above all nations, which he has made for praise, fame, and honor, and that you shall be a consecrated people to the Lord your God, as he has spoken. This is how God wanted to honor them. They had, they had come out of, he had brought them out of slavery in Egypt, he wanted to take, turn them into this great nation and honor them and give them praise in the sight of all the other nations in the world. All they had to do was to be faithful to him. And it wasn't, it wasn't that they had to be absolutely perfect. When you start reading the things that, that they did, we see that they were grossly uh, rejecting God. They, they rejected the true God that had brought them out of Egypt. and. Um, they just worship idols and they turned away from them almost immediately. Um, and it, it really is that they did not want to be special in the sight of the world. They wanted to be just like everybody else. Okay? Um, they wanted to worship idols. They rejected the chance to really be special people, people that God could hold up to the world and say, these are my people. If you want to learn about me, go to them. See how they live. That was the intention, and that would have been a blessing to the whole world. But this is what they chose instead. If you read Deuteronomy 28, 63 through 64, it says this. It shall come about that as the Lord delighted over you to prosper you and multiply you, so the Lord will delight over you to make you perish and destroy you. And you will be torn from the land where you are entering to possess it. Moreover, the Lord will scatter you among all peoples, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. And there you shall serve other gods, wood and stone, which your father, which, you or your fa- fa- which you and your fathers have not known. So that was the alternative. And he told them that up front, they could be this great shining example, or they could do this. Um, and they could be um, spread out and scattered throughout the world. And as I've said, many of them and most of them were scattered and did continue to worship false gods. In those 10 tribes we mentioned, I mentioned earlier, they completely disappeared. Because that was really what they had ultimately chose. They lost their identity as Jews. Um, but what I think about is so great is that some of them did hold on to the truth, or they return, or they did return to the truth. And they were able to ultimately, after, you know, hundreds of years after being spread out, um, were actually being able to be a positive influence on the Gentiles even before the gospel of Christ was preached to them and really preparing them to be able to receive the gospel of of Jesus Christ. And so they, some of these these Jews who were exiled returned to the scriptures and they studied and read the, the the, the books of the law, the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, and they formed those synagogues and they gathered on a regular basis to hear the scriptures read and to pray and to, and to be discussed. But I want to ask us about us. What else, we also have a call, do we not? We have a great call from God about how we are supposed to live. And I, want to, I wonder, do we want to be special people in the sight of the world? Are we willing for people to know uh, of our faith? Uh, people at work and at school and other places that we go, um, do we take seriously the words of the Bible? You know, such as Matthew 4.4, that says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Do we take that seriously? And if we do, why would we neglect reading the scriptures? Why would we neglect studying the scriptures and obeying the word of God? So we need, to, we need to take to heart our call and to be willing to live up to the expectation and the belief that God has for us. Do we want to be known as a people that belong to God? If so, we should remember this, what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 uh, through 16, which says, do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the words of life. Do we really want to shine like stars? Do we really want to shine like stars? Or do we want to fit in with everyone else? Uh, Simply put, do we want to follow this world to hell or do we want to lead as many as possible to heaven? Um, that's, that's really, if we just conform to what we see around us, we're going to be following everybody else to, to hell. Um, and I know, you know, I, I know that many, we want to lead our friends and families to God, but we never, we need to lose never never, never lose sight of our purpose that we're supposed to really be working at that and trying to, trying to work hard to lead others to know um, Jesus and to put that into their hearts, that they will one day know God and Jesus. If we do lose our way, um, or if we have lost our way, I think that the Jews in diaspora can give us hope that even if we fail, or have failed, we can return. We can return and be used again for God's glory. And you know, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how the Jews influenced the Gentiles to believe in God, but somehow I believe that when they heard the reading of the Old Testament scriptures, and they heard the stories of the things that God had done, they came to believe in the true and living God. And these were people, these Jews were people who had failed Miserably before, Uh, they had been conquered, taken away into a foreign land. But nevertheless, God was able to use them for the good of the world. want us remind us of Cornelius in Acts uh, 10, verses 1 and 2. It says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what, what is known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout. In God fearing, he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Again, the Bible doesn't tell us how Cornelius came to be a devout and God-fearing man, but he prayed and worshipped the true God. But he was a Gentile, um, and it seems to me this had to be due to the influence of people who knew the true God, who had His Word, and um, shared it with one another and influenced the people who were around them. And as you read about um, Paul's missionary journeys, you will hear Paul addressing Jews, God-fearing people, and proselytes. So proselytes were were Gentiles who actually became Jews. So they would submit, the men would submit to circumcision, and they would follow all the laws of Moses. But also the God-fearers, these were people who believed in God but they didn't practice all the requirements of the law of Moses. And that's one thing I think I've overlooked sometimes when I've been reading, uh, not really realizing all the times uh, when you look through those chapters in Acts, they often talk about God-fearers and those who fear God. Um, And those were people who believed in the true God. And even though a God-fearing man like Cornelius was respected by the Jews, they still considered him unclean and would not eat with him or go into his home. Uh, and remember, that, remember that, that Peter had that vision so he would be willing to enter into Cornelius' home. That was when that sheet was let down and there was all kinds of animals. And um, the Peter, uh, the, the, a voice told Peter to rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, I've never eaten anything unclean. Um, so Peter needed convincing that it was okay for him to go into the home of, a, of Cornelius. They really had a hard time with that. In fact, after Peter did go and preach to Cornelius in his home to his family and uh, relatives, and they were baptized, Peter was in trouble with his, his, his brothers, the fellow Jewish Christians back in Jerusalem. Listen to what uh, Acts 11 says. Uh, 1 through 10 says, because they were not happy about this, the apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the home of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and, I, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then, a verse, then, a voice, then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, "Surely not, Lord, nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth." The voice spoken from heaven, the voice spoke from heaven a second time, "Do not call anything impure that God has made clean." This happened three times, and then it was pulled up to heaven again. You know, I, I think that it is really great that God uses people who have failed, are flawed, have very deep prejudices, to teach us that his intention is to save every people, to save all people of every race and every nation, rich, poor, male, female, to make us all one in Christ. And he he does it with us that we're sinners, and he uses us, and we can see it, it through the words of the Bible, and uh, how he uses all these people who've made mistakes, who've let him down, who have deep problems and deep, uh, don't understand what he's asking for, their pre- prejudices. But he is trying to make us all one in using us and allowing us to participate in doing that. I just want to look at one more conversion. Um, and that is what Paul had, did. It was during one of his missionary journeys, and it was Lydia. And this is in Acts 16. And that, uh, looking at verses 11 through 15, it says From Troas we put out to sea and, sa- and, and sailed straight for Semithrace, and the next day on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira who was a worshiper of God, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into, the, into her home. If you, commit, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she, and she persuaded us. Notice that in this passage, Paul didn't find a synagogue, Um, He went to this riverbank where they expected to find a a place of prayer, and they did. And I guess I wonder if this was a place where there wasn't enough Jewish men, there wasn't those 10 men required for a synagogue. But he found women who were were gathering to pray. And Lydia, a Gentile, was already a, a believer in God. She was a worshiper of God, the Bible said. And like Cornelius... She already uh, loved God, but she needed to, but she still needed to believe in Jesus Christ and needed to submit to him and have her sins washed away in baptism. So we need to remember that even though we may have good and godly friends that believe in God, they still need to obey the teaching about Jesus and be baptized and have their sins washed away. And one of the things I was thinking about Lydia as well, and I didn't find this commented on in any of the commentaries, but I, th- I was thinking after uh, what Peter went through with those brothers in Jerusalem, how he had to explain himself, um, I think it was just, in the back of my mind, it's like, maybe she's testing Paul. You, she said, do you really believe I'm a believer if I'm really faithful, but also are you willing to associate with me? are you willing to come into my home? I wonder about that, because previously a Jew would not have done that. So again, it's another example, I think, of where these walls were being broken down um, through the message of Christ, and they did stay with them. Um, but I just I wonder about that. But again, we need to make sure that even though our friends are good and good people, um, we need to make sure that they understand what God asked them to do. Because even Cornelius and Lydia, being good, godly people, needed to submit and obey Christ and be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. Now I just want to invite us, uh, anyone who wants to come and become a Christian, you can do that. Um, Remembering that Jesus came and died for us. That he died for every person that ever lived. And so we could all have hope and confidence that we have eternal life with God um, because we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's so, I mean, the whole message is really we're in the same boat. We have the same problem. We all need Jesus, and we need to repent of our sins, and we need to give up doing things that are just our way but accept what Jesus has to say. Um, again in Romans I read this last week for while we were still helpless at the right time Christ died for the ungodly he died for everyone so that we would have the right to become children of God and those of us that have already done that we are children of God and we just need to live up to the call that we have and if we haven't put on Christ yet um, I would urge anyone to do that to make their life right with Christ so you can serve him and be part of this family. If you would like to respond to either one of those, please come while we stand and Sking.